Well, good to see everyone this morning. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're enjoying a slightly less frenetic summer than is often the case. Uh, the idea for us here at Apex is that we kind of calm things down in July. We know that August is going to be kickoff and craziness, so we do try to back off the busy schedule. So daily prayers, we take a rest from those. Uh, every morning, if you want to join us as we kick off again in, in August, we, um, we meet on Zoom and here in-house at 8.30 every day. So it might be that it's possible for you if you, you're starting to work at nine or you know maybe you've just dropped the kids off, you can do it in the car. Just join us for prayer at 8.30 in the morning. And then on Tuesday nights, we have a thing called flow prayer where we have, as you would imagine, a kind of flowing time of worship and prayer for about an hour and a half from 6.30 through to eight. And you can come in and out of that as you wish. And on that, the prayer room is moving towards completion by all accounts. So hopefully, as we start the new academic year, we'll be able to get going with our new prayer room. So what are we going to do today? Well, we're going to do the next passage in John's gospel that we've been looking at together. And we're going to have a portion of our time called Discovery Bible. We've been looking at that as a model for congregational engagement in the scriptures over the last few weeks. And so if you're unfamiliar with this, relax. Nobody's going to expect anything weird from you. But we are going to be looking at the scriptures together and expecting God to speak to us individually and share those things one with another. We do have a, a slide that kind of gives us some of the values of what it is that we're trying to do as we do this kind of large-scale discovery model. We want this to be something that is power balance. What do we mean by that? We mean that there is no spiritual hierarchy in Christianity. I know that, I know that over the years, for historical reasons, the church has presented a hierarchy to the world, but that's not what it is that Jesus came to do. Jesus came to ensure that by his life, death, and resurrection, we would have equal access to him, to his grace, to his power, and to all of the gifts that he wants to pour out upon us. And so one of the things that we're trying to do at Apex is to more and more represent that idea of us all being the priesthood of all believers. We want to be present. You will be using probably your phone uh, to read the texts uh, of scripture that we'll be looking at, but maybe don't read the text from your friend. Or if you do read the text from your friend, don't answer it. Or if you do answer it, don't get into one of those long conversations. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you know what I'm saying. So be present, be polite. It's a good thing to be polite. It's a kind of nice thing to be polite. I'm not sure that Jesus was always polite, but in general, I think he was. Passage-centered. Now, this is, uh, this is important, and this is part of the, the power balance thing. When we're looking at a passage, today we're going to look at John 19, the, the interactions between Pilate and Jesus as Jesus was moving inexorably towards his death on the cross. We want to stay in that passage during the discovery portion of our time together as much as possible. So this is not the opportunity for you to share with us your insights into Habakkuk. Yeah? This is not your great opportunity to share with us your theories about Genesis. You're gonna have opportunities to do that when you gather in your communities on mission, when you share with your friends, and when you interact at the coffee shop. But right now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the passage, and we're not gonna introduce information outside of the passage, including people like me who've got more degrees than a thermometer. Yeah, so I'm not here to show you how much my theological knowledge is greater than yours. It's simply that we're looking at the passage and we're simply asking these two questions. What's God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? Yeah? So that's really important. People of peace. Now here's the thing that I've noticed. I, um, I spend most of my time in my office and my office is on the move. It's in every coffee shop in Dayton. And um, the people that I meet with in those coffee shops 
love the idea of reading the Bible as an open book and as equals with the people that they're reading it with. People who are near to God, people who are a long way from God. Uh, I was just meeting with a guy uh, this last Friday at Starbucks and um, we got the Bible open together. It felt a bit weird doing it with everybody else watching us, so we went and sat on the bench outside. It was great, we had a wonderful time. And he really had some profound insights and, and found some of the things that I shared helpful. And, and we, we looked at it together. He's, a, he's an example of a person of peace, a person who likes us, likes you, likes me, a person who listens to us, listens to you and me, a person who's prepared with a heart of service to meet us as an equal. So there may be people in your life who say, I don't really buy into church. I'm not really into it anymore. I completely understand that. I think religion is one of the big problems on the planet today. Religion is a real problem. But a relationship with Jesus, I don't so much suggest that that's a problem. And so what we're into here is not so much the promotion of religion, we're into the propagation of a relationship with Jesus. And um, if you've got people in, in your life who you think are spiritually curious, then this may be just the right kind of thing for them. So that's what we're gonna do today. And um, what we're gonna do at the end of, the, end of our time of worship here is Jason and I are gonna be at the front here with our phones and we're gonna take your name and your email or your phone number if you prefer text. I prefer text, I don't like emails. But if you're, um, if you're wanting to be part of what it is that we do here, part of this kind of facilitation process, then we would love you to just come and say you wanna be part of it. So what could you be part of? Well, Jason's gonna be on that microphone. I need somebody else to be on this microphone this week. Who's gonna do that? Any hands, any person, any, somebody's recruiting somebody over there. Right there, Rebecca. So Rebecca's gonna be on this. Uh, I'll tell you when to move, Rebecca, but that's all right. Um, now what Rebecca's gonna do is she's gonna make sure that that microphone gets as close to your nose as possible so that we can hear you. She's not going to give you the microphone for all kinds of reasons, not least of which, it just tempts people into a preaching mode. So we're gonna keep hold of the microphone and hear what it is that God's saying to you, but we're gonna try and hear it as clearly as possible, especially for the people online. Folks who are online, they love this part of the worship because they feel like they can really engage. So that's one thing that you can be part of. You could be part of this part of the experience by photographing the whiteboard when we've, when we've got it finished. Some of you already started doing that. I think Rosalind has uh, recruited somebody this week. It could be that you feel that you want to learn how to put stuff on a whiteboard. I know it seems simple. I promise you that there are some little clues that you need to learn to make it possible for other people to read. Like, you don't use lowercase. You only use uppercase. You design the board in a particular way so that people can see the information that's beginning to develop. If you wanna learn how to do that, I'll coach you. I won't just leave you up here and say thanks. I'll, I'll coach you with it and we'll, uh, we'll do it together and we'll have two pens up here. How about that? If you want to be part of what we call the moderating part of it, where you read the scriptures, maybe summarize it, and then help facilitate what it is that other people are hearing from God, that's a somewhat more complex and more refined, if you like, skill, but it's a skill that everybody can learn. And so if you wanna be part of that, come on. And it may be that the conveyor belt is that you begin by holding the microphone and then you move to helping with the whiteboard and then eventually you get to the point of being able to moderate the whole thing. Yeah, what do you think, Joseph, do you reckon? I think that's a good idea. I think Joseph would be good at that. So, so that's, uh, he's panicking now because he thinks I've just recruited him. <laughs> put, it, put his name down, okay. Um, we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. Is everybody good with that? So at the end of the service, um, Jason and I will be up here and we'll take your names and your emails and phone numbers. Okay, let's dive in.
We're in John chapter 19, and we're going to start from verse 1, and I'm reading from the NIV version. Thank you, Jason, for reminding me. The NIV, but not the 1984 version, which is strangely um, inaccurate at places. Okay. John chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they slapped him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law and according to that law he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, do you realize I have power either to free you or to have you crucified? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Now, it's a long passage, but it's a very simple narrative. And um, we have Pilate and the, the Jewish religious leaders in a kind of public conversation about the fate of Jesus. Pilate is trying his best to work the situation so that Jesus can be set free because he finds no basis of charge against him. But because he is a man who is both personally weak, perhaps, and of course in the hands of enormous powers that surround him, both visible and invisible, he finds it impossible to set Jesus free. So we have this, this story before us. I'm going to recommend that we read it again quietly, privately. Just briefly read it again and, and ask yourself this question. What is it that's highlighted in the passage to me? It may be that you're unfamiliar with the idea of God speaking to you through the Bible. So it doesn't really matter whether you think it's God speaking to you or not. Just ask yourself, what's the most important thing here? What's the thing that strikes me the most as I read this passage? And we'll do that quietly. And we'll take a couple of minutes to do it, and then I'll get you to share that observation with one other person. So let's have some quiet, and let's read this passage again quietly together.
just because I have dyslexia. You look right to me. Okay, so I, I know something in there that really struck me when I was reading that, um, and uh, I'll share that with you in a minute, but um, what was it that just was highlighted there for you? A particular phrase, maybe a verse, maybe just an idea that emerged as you were reading it? What was that? Just to just turn to one other person, it may be that you're here as a, as a group of three, so that's fine. But if you're just here with one other person, or if you're here by yourself, then maybe just reach out and find somebody who's close to you. Just tell them the thing that you saw in the passage. Go ahead. And uh, Rebecca and Jason are gonna come and give me a hand. It's on, it's already on, it's already on. Yeah, yeah. Now make sure both of you are talking. I want to make sure that the introverts get their opportunity as well. We all know that how that works, huh? Okay, let's do this thing. So we've got Jason on this side, generally. We've got Rebecca on that side. Who wants to give us a little bit of insight into what's going on in the passage? What is it that you saw? Just put your hands up and um, we'll get the guys to run to you with the microphone. Right here, look, Jason. Tell us your name and then tell us what you saw. My name is Adrian. And what stood out to me was, you have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Cool. Thank you, Adrian. You have no power. Which is something that Jesus said to Pilate, yeah? This is how my dyslexic brain works. When I look at Pilate written like that, it looks like Pilates to me. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, I don't think Jesus did Pilates. I don't know. I mean, he may have done. I, don't, I mean, maybe. Maybe that's what he was doing on the cushion in the boat, you know, when they were kind of in the storm. And they're kind of, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know. Um, so what about right there? That gentleman right there, Rebecca. Tell us your name. Great. So, this is the day of preparation for the Passover, yeah? Is that the way to put it? So, preparation for Passover, which, of course, in the Jewish calendar is probably the most important festival because it's the time they remember that the Jewish people are set free from slavery in Egypt and the way in which that happens is very significant to the story. So that's really important. Thank you, Kenny. What about over here? Yeah. Hi, my name's Stephanie. And I feel like throughout the whole passage that Pilate was having a conflict inside of him. I think the Holy Spirit was convicting him yeah. to say that he wasn't doing 
his mindset, what he wanted to do was very good. He wanted to release Jesus, but then the outside was getting to him and fighting back. That's so good, isn't it? So, so there's internal conflict with, with Pilate. Is that the right way to put it, Stephanie? Yeah? Good. Where else have we got? Over there. Got to run over there, though. Is that Gage again? It's Gage again. He's getting kind of into this. And then, Rebecca, if you could get ready. If you've got a hand up over here already, then we can rock and roll over there. Okay, um, Gage. I, I mean, it's not what we talked about. This is about, Gage. Say, I, hi, I'm Gage. Gage. Hi. hi. There you go. <laughs> um, when they said Pilate became more afraid, was he afraid because he was possibly going to crucify the Son of God, or was he afraid of not doing the right thing? Or yeah. It's kind of weird to have fear of being such yeah, a powerful yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. He's more afraid. So he was afraid. You know, there's an indication that there's an increase in fear, isn't there? So he's more afraid because he hears that Jesus has claimed to be the Son of God. Eek! Yeah, I mean, that would scare the living daylights out of anybody, wouldn't it? Where else are we? Right over here. Is it Jerry or Terry? Jerry. Jerry, got it. <laughs> it's only one letter. I mean, you know, come on. Thanks, Jerry. Go, go, get, go. Oh, Jeremy as in Jeremiah. Sorry, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm, anyway, Jeremy. That's really interesting, isn't it? It's, and, and it's interesting, isn't it? As you say, Jeremy, that, um, that maybe what he was thinking was, well, if they see Jesus humbled and humiliated in this way, whatever he's done, he's suffered enough. Yeah? That's kind of the feeling that you get, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, so Pilate has compassion for Jesus. Yeah, that's really good. And, and I think you're right. I don't think we see that very often, do we? We kind of see this hard-bitten, you know, Roman ruler. Um, and I think we miss that sometimes. And John kind of brings that out for us. That's great. Thank you. What else, Go Over here. Hi, I'm Mike. And you're Mike? Yes. Hi, Mike. <laughs> Hi, Mike. You're on the mic. <laughs> and... Uh, so building off of what they said about uh, what it said about Pilate being more afraid and yeah. then after Jesus said uh, that you have no power over me uh, then states that Pilate from then on Pilate tried to set Jesus free yeah so kind of a building on he was he was afraid he kind of probably felt that hey this person is of quite significant has some significance yeah yeah so so he's more afraid and he he tries, he tries to set him free, yeah? And is it, Mike, are you, are you saying that maybe he's, he's thinking, I think I see something, I think I see something, and maybe we, other people may not see it, but I think I see it, and we need to let this guy go. Is that what you're kind of getting after? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, because when he felt afraid by them saying that, uh, by the chief priest saying that he claimed to be son of God, yeah. and then after a statement from Jesus, yeah. I think he kind of had a feeling of, 
you know, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, my, yeah. my inner conscience says I need to get rid yeah. of this guy. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to put, try to set him free because it feels wrong. Is that right? Look at me, I can even spell wrong. That's quite good, isn't it, for me, that. Right there, Paul, and then, oh, sorry, have we got, is, is it Jeremy's wife. wife? And what's your name? Uh, Charity. 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 <laughs> Charity, so we've got Jeremy and Charity, oh, that's great, okay, Charity, go. So, so Jesus' mind was set up, was maybe not set up, but his mind was set on his destiny. Yeah? Is that, is that the way to put it? So, Jesus' mind made up to go through with it. Very good, thank you. That looks like, like ooh, doesn't it? So we need to go there. Good, okay, right there, Paul. Good morning, I'm Luop, which I imagine is what a dyslexic <laughs> sees when he sees the thank name you. Paul. Yes, you're Paul, share with us. I, not a revelation, more of a question, actually, is the second half of verse 11. Yeah. Um, you know, that uh, you know, he, who turned me over, you know, therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of greater sin. I've always yeah. wondered who that they're talking about, Jesus is talking about, and why it's there in the first place. Yeah. So, so there's a great question here, isn't there, that Jesus is saying to Pilate in their interaction, Pilate is thinking, I don't want to get involved with this. This doesn't feel right. This feels wrong to me. But of course, Jesus is pointing out that the people who know that it's wrong are the people who are those who've committed a greater sin. He's kind of caught in this invidious position, but other folks, actually, they didn't need to bring him there in the first place. They could have just said, we're not gonna do that. So, so what, are we, what are we saying there? We're saying that the, the greater wrong is to choose choose to reject Jesus is that fair Paul is that a kind of a yeah yeah okay we'll just put that there I mean you, you have to think about that but that's, that's, that's an interesting kind of because the whole, the whole thing is just full of conflict isn't it and we're, we're kind of getting into it now we're kind of going oof yeah. Right at the back over there. Way on the back wall. Got one over there. One over there first. Right there. And then I'm. Come on, tell us your name. Uh, I'm Jonas, and um, so like near to the end of the passage, uh, where he Pilate is like, take your king and crucify him. They're like, he's not our king. Our only king is Caesar. Right. But they're like the people who are supposed to be like worshiping God and they're supposed to be like God's their king not Caesar so right right it's like right by the Passover okay well. so, so so this is a really interesting so Jonas is saying that the people who actually had God as king were saying that we don't have a king yeah and on the basis of that they were making their decisions is that is that what you're trying to say there or is there something more to it Jonas uh yeah I think so pretty much is, is that about it Okay, so, so the Jewish leaders are rejecting God as king. Yeah, I mean, if somebody, if somebody says that we have no king, 
and the whole of their story is actually there is a king <laughs> and he's called God yeah then it's a bit of a funny one isn't it what else we got right there Gary yeah, just everybody stand up it's an elder speaking to uh, piggyback on what Gage and Mike said in the fear it seems that Pilate feared man more than he feared God I recognize okay. he didn't know that Jesus was God mm. but he, he definitely feared man that's why okay. he went ahead so Pilate fears man more than God. Yeah? Because that's the conflict, isn't it? You know, it, they're, they're kind of threatening that there's going to be trouble if he doesn't do what if he doesn't do what they want him to do. And so that's what he's afraid of. Final thing here, right there, and then right at the back. Yep. Uh, I, Mark. Mark. Yeah. I, I like that um, Jesus also shows his compassion towards Pilate. And that yeah. through everything that's happening, he, he can see that he's afraid. And he says, he basically says, look, you have permission to do what you're doing. If you think what you're doing is bad, let me tell you. Let yeah, me tell you. That's good, isn't you know, it? Like he's, he's actually trying to comfort mm. him through everything that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, so, so Jesus is actually trying to take the pressure off Pilate a bit, isn't he? Yeah? So Jesus has compassion on Pilate because he, he realizes the almost impossible situation that he's in. Yeah? That's great, Mark. That's really good. Right there on the back. Um, so along the same lines as Jamie, I'm Jamie. Jamie. <laughs> so along the same lines as what this gentleman just said, Christ showed Pilate grace, grace through this. Yeah. That he was compassionate because he knows Pilate's true thoughts. Yeah. And he could see it. And the no fault not only found in this with Christ, of course, Christ found that in Pilate. Yeah. In the sense of he was giving him grace. Yeah. What he does for us every day. Yeah. Yeah, he recognizes, he recognizes Pilate's need for grace in the situation, doesn't he? I wonder how many times the Lord says to us, you know, we're kind of stuck in our conflicts and we're thinking, I don't know what to do. And Jesus is offering us the same kind of grace because that's just his nature. That's what you're thinking, isn't it? That's what you were kind of driving at there, I think. Yeah, that's good. Mike, can I really say one? Really good. I, Maybe one more go. Sorry, Jesse. Yeah. yeah, so I've been doing this for a long time, and I haven't gotten to say one myself. So if it's all right, I'm raising my hand. Um, what stood so out... Just tell us what your name I'm is. I'm Jason. <laughs> uh, say hi, Jason. Uh, there he is. What stood out to me was that here you have all these very powerful people, and maybe it's because we used the phrase power balance before. Yeah. But Jesus isn't using any of this power. Yeah. In the midst of all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. If he is, it's to not use it. Yeah. Jesus chooses to not use power. Yeah. Okay. We may have to go to more than one color in the future. Rebecca. Hi, I'm Linnea, um, and crucify or crucified was used uh, seven times, and that is associated with completion or perfection. Right, okay. So that's slightly outside of the text, but Linnea will allow it, because we have been looking at John's Gospel, you know, for a while now, and one of the things you notice about John's Gospel is that John tries to reinforce the importance of things by the number of times that something's said. So if he wants to reinforce something, he'll say, truly, truly. And if he wants it to be understood that this is a complete picture, he'll use the number seven, which is very clever of you to notice that, because I don't think I noticed that. That was very, very good. Yeah? Okay, I think we're good. Is there anyone else desperate to say anything? Oh, you, you want two? I do. I'm sorry. 
because it's just true. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. We, if we're going to have two, we're going to have to have a vote. All right. <laughs> Hands up if we're going to let Kenny have what? It's Kenny, isn't it? Yeah. Hands up. <laughs> Any against? Oh, it's passed unanimously, Kenny. Okay, you're good. Okay. I, you're I, good. I, I don't want to... I hope this isn't too high-minded with this whole thing, but it's interesting to me that the Jewish leaders have about really in the end committed like the ultimate blasphemy at this point completely and I kind of wonder if that's where they give up their right as the chosen people of God and Jesus saves the entire world mm. yeah so so is that is it the moment when the exclusivity of the ancient people of God is now extended to everybody during the during the Passover yeah interesting interesting I don't know, but it's a, you know, hey, talk about it in your communities on mission and at house church. I mean, that's kind of an interesting one, isn't it? Okay, let's do this. Let's think for a minute. Think for a minute. Now, extroverts, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, don't you? That means you don't talk. I know that it's impossible to think and not talk, but just assume that the introverts have got an angle on this and you may have to learn it just a minute and let's just think okay what is it that I'm going to take away and apply to my life this week what is it I'm going to take away and apply to my life this week one minute to think about it Okay, um, it's really important that when we come to these intentions that it's not just kind of kept inside our own head. So just share that with the person that you talked to at the beginning when you gave them the idea of what it was that you were thinking about in the passage. So just share it with the person next to you. Make sure both of you do the sharing. Okay. Okay, so what we're going to do in a minute, I'm just going to give you a little reflection in relation to the passage that I've been thinking about and pondering over these last few days. But what we're going to do in a minute is we're going to have response time, but we're going to have response time in the pews because some of the intentions that we've made today, we may feel we need other people to pray for. We, we may feel, you know, this is my intention for the week, but I think I'm going to need God's help, and I think I'm going to need the support and the help of other people's prayers. Well, if that's the case, then we'll do that in a minute when the worship band come up and uh, I'll, I'll just give you some direction as to how we're going to do that. So be just thinking about that. 
It's not something that, um, that you have to do to ask somebody else to pray for you, but, but generally, if you're making an intention and you've shared it with someone else, it's really worth inviting them into the process of seeing that fulfilled by praying about it. Now, just a couple of weeks ago, one of the things I pointed out was that a lot of scholars now believe that John's gospel is perhaps the last document in the New Testament. That John, who wrote his, his stuff, the letters and the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the, in the New Testament, he wrote those before the gospel. That the gospel, in a way, is a, is a, is a, a summary, a, a bringing together of all of the, the things that God has, has put into his heart as he's, as he's remembered and reflected on his life with Jesus. And if that's the case, as may well be, may well be the case, then John has already had a revelation of the ascended Jesus that begins the book of Revelation. A book that we read very briefly just a couple of weeks ago that spoke about this splendid and amazing and majestic Jesus dressed in in regalia and robes of royalty and surrounded by glory. John, when he's writing this revelation, writes this. He says, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness. So here's, here's John writing and then sometime in the future he's going to be writing the story of Jesus in his gospel and the idea of Jesus being the faithful witness kind of comes through, doesn't it? That Jesus is this faithful witness to what it is that God's given him to do. He's the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. So the destination is not the cross. That's simply one of the steps along the way. The destination is the resurrection. And in the resurrection, he is the firstborn from the dead indicating that there are many others who will be born from their death into a new life and he's the ruler of the kings of the earth whether they recognize that they had a king or not Jesus was above everyone but then these verses are the ones that really struck me to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. So when I was looking at the passage, it was the words of Pilate to the crowd that really struck me. He says, here is the man, here is your king. Here is the man. John laces his writing with deep insights. And of course, Pilate, unknown to himself, is uttering words that are true at a depth way beyond his perception. Because who is Jesus? Jesus, of course, is the Son of God, and when he hears that, he's afraid. But Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. He is the beginning of a new humanity. The Bible says that the first humanity came from Adam and Eve and it was a physical reproductive process that populated the earth and now there is a new man who spiritually by the presence and power of his spirit reproduces himself 
in a new humanity, a humanity that is born from the dead, a new humanity that is looking like him and longing to be more like him. Here is the man, the man who starts it all again. And so you and I, as we look to Jesus and we ask him to fill our lives by his spirit, we're asking him to invite us into the new humanity. There is an old humanity that is destined to death. That death is the death that Jesus will die on the cross and in dying on the cross, he pays the penalty of all of old humanity's sin, all of old humanity's rebellion and alienation from God, all of old humanity's separation. Jesus pays that penalty. A separation from the life source in the universe, of course, leads to death. Jesus takes that penalty. And in taking that penalty, does the thing that no one else could do for us. He opens the way and reveals that way by his resurrection to a new life and partnership in a new humanity. And what does the new humanity look like? It looks like a kingdom and it looks like a priesthood. It says in, in, in Revelation that, that by his blood he sets us free. We often think of by his blood he's cleansing us, by his blood he's forgiving us. But, but no, here John is wanting us to understand that, that Jesus by his blood, by his death, by his sacrificial offering of himself has set us free. Set us free for what? set us free so that we can be a kingdom and, and a priesthood, a kingdom. So what does it look like? It means, that, it means that King Jesus has a kingdom and it's us. The kingdom's not defined by geography. The kingdom's defined by humanity the new humanity that want to be part of him, that want to be one with him. There's no differentiation of gender. There's no differentiation of class or color. There's no differentiation of culture or background. We are the kingdom. And Jesus has freed us from our previous state so that we can be that kingdom. And then also we can be priests. So what is it that we've been doing here today? We've been doing the priesthood of all believers. What have we been doing here today? We've been recognizing that all of us are equal in the, in the sight of God. What are we doing here today? We're functioning as priests. And what will we do this week as we go out into our several places and react and respond and relate to our family and our friends and our workmates and, and the people that we meet just in passing? Jesus has freed us to be his kingdom, which means it's a place of justice and mercy and power and deliverance and forgiveness and transformation. That's us. We're that place. And as well as being that place, we're the priests who stand between the world and the king and make it possible for the world to come in. What is a priest? A priest is a go-between. A priest is an intermediary. A priest is an intercessor. A priest is one who stands before God and the world and invites the world to know God. That's who we are. And Jesus, by his blood, has set us free to be that. So when you go to work this week, when you hang out with your family this week, try to remember this. You're the presence of the king in the lives of the people that you meet. And you're the doorway to the king because you're the priests 
of the kingdom. Does that make sense? It does to me. It does to Joseph. I've got a couple of other people nodding. Yeah, kind of getting it. That's, that's the amazing thing that Jesus is doing in this story that we read today. This, this moment that is a moment when all of the universe holds its breath. Because in that moment, Jesus is going to set humanity free to be a new humanity that is his kingdom and that is his priesthood. I think that's amazing. 